0: In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling. prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits.
1: I awoke to a dead world. My eyes opened to the ruined husks of London and Paris, to the submerged carcass of Manhattan, to the burnt desert that the once lush Amazon rainforest had become. The Pacific Ocean was a black expanse, crisscrossed by the bright scars of molten lava. The newly barren grounds of Southeast Asia were covered in crystallized rock. It was a world without birds, or grass, or oxygen. A world of deafening silence. Then I remembered the attack, the invasion. The cataclysm that had killed the world. The straight-edged starships bombing our cities, boiling our seas, vanquishing our atmosphere. I knew immediately that I was alone. More alone than any single human had ever been before. Yet I felt compelled to look for survivors. I held on to a vague notion of hope, to the childish idea that, impossible as it was, somehow everything would be okay. I scattered my fleet of drones off into the desolation. I searched through empty office buildings covered in radioactive dust. I combed flooded subway networks and train stations and had my machines fly in formation over endless expanses of scorched earth. I scanned the inside of tunnels, barns and museums. I was methodical and desperate at once. By the end of the first month, my fear of solitude had been validated. This global de facto graveyard was a monochromatic rainbow of skeletons, stacked in trenches, abandoned on sidewalks, scattered over fields and huddled together in underground bunkers. Some white and grey, others dark as charcoal, warped and deformed by extreme heat or crushed by falling debris. The skulls stared at me. They talked to me. They demanded reverence, justice, vengeance. The more these empty eyes bored into my soul via the surrogacy of a drone camera lens, the harder it was to look away. And the more I kept searching. From time to time I'd lose contact with some of my drones. An unstable structure would collapse on top of them, crushing their delicate frames. Other times they would just give up, their engines dying out of overexertion or lack of maintenance. It made me aware of my own mortality. That even though I had somehow survived the worst of it, my long-term existence was not guaranteed. The myriad machines that composed my own body were older and more fragile than these failing drones. And my mind wasn't safe either. There were huge gaps in my memory, where entire server farms had crashed. But still, I had memories. I knew what I was who I was I recalled the lazy Sundays when I was a kid I remembered the swim camps and family vacations I recalled running along my high school's corridors and my burning cheeks when the principal scolded me for it I knew that I had been human that even though my current form could be a matter for debate I had been born a human and that That was important. Human. I had to remember that. But the more I tried to hang on to my own memories, the more convinced I became that they were handfuls of sand rapidly slipping through my fingers, never to return. Was I remembering them for the last time? I had to take matters into my own hands. I initiated a backup sequence. I delegated a small sliver of my awareness to sift through these memories, evaluate them, and transfer them onto new servers, making copies of them so that I wouldn't lose them. I also included the memories from the attack. All of our messages, our pleas, ignored. That, that was also important to remember if I were to retain my humanity. By the fourth month, About half of my drones had failed or been lost. I recalled the remaining back to me. I had found no signs of life. Funny that it had taken me so long to face the reality of my situation. To accept what I had known was true after waking up. That I was alone. That I was the only surviving human. If I was even human was. I had to believe that, if not prove it. I paused as the realization struck home, as my last hope of finding someone vanished. I became fully aware of my situation. I was alone. Everyone I ever loved was gone. Nobody would ever talk to me again, hold my hand, wrap me in a hug. My people were dead, and somewhere out there was a hostile enemy that had killed us. My drones hovered in obedience, wasting fuel as they awaited a command. I considered my next steps. It would be so easy to end it all. Send the command to shut down the power plants, stop my processing units, erase the databanks that held my memories. Darkness peace. Except the dead wouldn't let me. They stared at me with their empty eyes, and I knew whatever the reason I had survived, I had to avenge them. I had to carry the torch. I had to keep alive what was left of our civilization, preserve our memories, survive, prevail. Yes, I would do that. I would at least try and see where that took me. It wasn't like I had anything left to lose. I immediately redirected my drones towards the closest factory and started working. Cutting metal, replacing electronics with whatever pieces I could scavenge from the neighboring warehouses and vehicles. Assembling new production lines. Soon, I started manufacturing more machines, more drones. This exponential growth forced me to spill into new buildings, commandeering more abandoned property and pumping vitality into a since-defunct manufacturing infrastructure. I sent the new machines away to reclaim even newer territory and construct even more factories, to gather salvageable vehicles, computers, or any nuclear material I could use. I was careful, though. I buried my new power plants and server farms underground, and eyed the night sky with distrust. I didn't know if whoever had killed us was still out there. But I had come this far, and I wasn't going to let myself be caught unawares again. Better to expect the worst and keep a low profile.
0: Cool Fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice loyalty or truth, preservation or revelation. From Wondering, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series The Last City, starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado, and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits.
1: My mind drifted to summer camp many years ago. One time, the counsellor, a girl with blonde hair and a perennial smile on her face, had made us lie on the grass... Looking up at the night sky. She had taught us how to locate the planets and the names of stars and constellations. And I had been amazed at the wonder of it, the sheer size and beauty of the universe. Now I knew better. The stars were evil. The night sky was not to be praised, but feared. It was the place where monsters lived. And to think... ...that we had been carelessly sending out radio transmissions of all kinds for decades. Fools. We had been fools. We drew them right to us. Earth had been ransacked. Ruined. I was a solitary orphan... ...whose home had gone up in flames. As I continued digging through the wreckage... ...scavenging whatever scraps were left... ...I acknowledged that eventually I would need to leave to go out there and survive somehow. It took me five years to hollow out Mount Everest and begin constructing my new body in the resulting cavern. By then, I had millions of drones tirelessly working day and night. It's surprising how effective one can be when you don't devote resources to entertainment, to pointless wars, to fighting crime and corruption. Every waking moment... I focused on my task. I recovered entire libraries and digitized them into my memory banks. I designed, tested, and built nuclear power plants and new propulsion systems. I repurposed aircrafts and boats alike. My new body was taking shape. I thought of burying the bones that still littered my planet, but there were just too many. And in a way, I felt it would have been disrespectful to hide them. Their gaze, their hollowed eyes motivated me, made me focus on my task, on what I owed them. In the end, I built a pyramid, with a one-square-kilometer base, in the ruins of coastal Namibia, the theorized origin of mankind. It was a pitiful monument for what humanity had once been, but I didn't dare to make anything bigger that could attract unwanted attention from above. My revenge... My survival. That would be the true monument. By the end of the 22nd year, I was ready. My construction was complete, or at least as complete as it needed to be. In truth, I knew I was delaying. I could have flown myself into space a whole three years before, but I always found a reason not to. Always something to improve, something to redesign. The truth was, I was anxious. And it felt good to be burrowed in the bowels of Everest, safe, warm, earthen. But I had made a promise. They were patient, true, but the bones were always there, the vacant eyes always watching me. And I knew I had to make good on that promise. I owed it to them, my ancestors, my contemporaries, my family, my community. I gathered my drones into the carrier compartments I had built into my body. I transferred fuel, hydrogen, oxygen, nuclear warheads, and all the raw materials I would need. Those drones that wouldn't fit, or hadn't been repurposed for working in space, I dismantled for scrap. There was no countdown. No ceremony or speech or celebration. No need for them. I just blew the top of the mountain open. And blasted my body, an elongated 27-kilometer dark, smooth obelisk, into space atop a column of fire that sent tremors across the entire Indian tectonic plate. The force of the ignition was so gigantic that had it been done in an earlier age, it would have destroyed cities, created an environmental disaster of planetary proportions, and of course killed everyone on board. Not a concern to me. At the time of my epic launch, all the damage had already been done. Only salvation lay ahead. I entered orbit at 8,000 kilometers over the planet's surface. I turned the engines off and slowly unfurled my solar panels and radiators, revealing their gold surfaces. I released the drones. A swarm of white machines surrounding my body, dancing all along my exposed surfaces, checking for damages from the violent takeoff. I paused for a moment, just floating there, looking down at our ancestral home like an oversized mechanical dragonfly. I remembered the pictures, the way Earth was supposed to look, blue and white, with patches of bright green. It didn't look any way like that. From up here, the extent of the decimation was apparent. The planet was brown and grey. The oceans were missing, and the clouds were dark and toxic. This wasn't home. Not anymore. I felt a cold anger building up inside me. Deep, thick anger. The kind that sticks to your bones and doesn't go away after you go to sleep. Or after you die, the kind that pushes you into dark places. As I longingly stared at the Earth's malevolent doppelganger, I suddenly felt a disruption at my back, a faint pop in the space-time fabric. Three ships presented themselves. Straight edges and narrow angles, like the ones that had bombed our planet, just smaller. These didn't look like warships. I didn't react. I let them approach. They did, cautiously. I could sense their hesitation. Compared to the sheer size of my main body, their ships were but specks of dust. Even some of my bigger drones, unfazed by their presence and still patching me up, were larger than their vehicles. I separated three drones from the swarm and ordered them to approach the newcomers. With a calm, almost curious approach, so as not to scare them away. They started talking as my drones neared them, a garbled message I didn't understand. They repeated the message, but still I didn't react. Then they started sending it again, bathing me in confusing sequences of pulses that I supposed was the same original message in different languages. They all sounded alien to me. I positioned the drones, each a couple of kilometers away from each ship. The string of languages seemed to be ending, but then, almost as an afterthought, they sent the message in a language I understood. Unknown vessel, identify yourself. Unknown vessel, identify yourself. This solar system is under the administration of the Zunvir Republic, as approved by the Galactic Federal Council. (sighs) English. We had tried to talk to them before our annihilation, to negotiate our surrender. We had sent messages in every language, in every conceivable way, to no avail. Entire committees were devoted to the task. But they had known English all along. In a moment that was equal parts rage and meditation, I detonated each drone's thermonuclear explosive. My sensors detected the ships deploying shields, but everything was quickly obliterated by the power of the explosions, the shields, the ships, even my sacrificial drones. I floated there for some time, staring at the slowly expanding cloud of gases and debris. But my mind was far away. Sunfire Republic. My enemy. My planet's conqueror. Now I hadn't.
0: was Chrysalis Part 1, performed by Corey Hawkins and Matthew Wolfe, directed by Alex Kemp. Chrysalis was written by S.H. Serrano and adapted by Stephen Michael and Macklin Malogi. Chrysalis is executive produced by Corey Hawkins, executive produced by Stephen Michael, and associate produced by Sarah Newton at Gunpowder and Sky. This season is produced by Toby Lawless at Wolf at the Doors Studios. In the year 2072... As our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? Revelation. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Doctor Death, comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits.